Good day, good night, and welcome to Off The Woodworks. I'm Kevin Arame, and yes, Montreal lost at home 4-3 against the Colorado Rapids. I will talk about this a little bit today on the show. I receive, with great honor, uh, the man from Red Nation Online who actually showed me everything I know about podcasting, Mr. Ian Clark, from Eastside Stand-Up as well, will be with us to talk about the... Derby, the 401 Derby. I don't like that term. There's no term that exists yet for the name for that Derby. But one of the biggest rivalries in the MLS, Toronto Montreal Wednesday night in Toronto at the BMO Field. We will be talking about that. And Toronto made a couple trades as well lately, so we will be talking about that. But first, Montreal lost for three. That's okay. Don't worry. Bad luck happens. Like, uh, on the fourth goal, Peponi got fouled, in, in quotes, got fouled, so it could have maybe have gone the other way. Anyways, Montreal showed a lot of grit still, coming back twice in the game, and actually, uh, not coming back once, and taking the lead, and taking the lead twice. So, Montreal showed a lot. I still like the play of Davey Arnaud, even though... Which, we'll take a second just to say on Twitter after the game, there was some stupid, really low life, uh, whatever, somebody's not even, I'm not gonna mention his name, it's not worth it, he probably deleted his Twitter account since then, but anyways, he made some threats and very, very inappropriate comment on Twitter, I'm not even gonna say what the comment was, towards Davey Arnault, and I thought Davey Arnault handled it perfectly, but anyways, the captain... It showed his presence on the field. You saw, you saw the grit and the commitment to the team. And Paponi, Daniele Paponi, Abemus Paponi. He's a revelation for the impact this year. What uh, an impact he has on the game when he's on the field. You can see that he wants to prove his haters from Europe. Because yes, he has haters. He was not really appreciated in Bologna. People were saying that he was underachieving because when he was younger, he was with the under-20 team of Italy, and he was almost, uh, he was held as the future biggest striker for Italy. Well, you will see, he is a future striker for the Montreal Impact, and the future is right now. His partnership with Devayo on top is amazing. Devayo actually set up his first goal. That actually the second goal of the impact on Saturday. A nice curler they did with his right foot. And it was a great pass through ball by Devayo. It's just great to see Devayo getting commitment of Devayo to the game. Not just scoring goals, but setting up plays. And when Montreal scores on a run-up play, which is all the time because you never see Montreal score on a set piece. But I love the way Devayo set it up and the way it went from Camara to Felipe to Devayo. The great pass to the. Uh, it was amazing. And on the second, on Paponi's second goal, it was a great setup to Felipe. Then he crossed it to Davy Arnaud. Davy Arnaud kept the ball right next to the sideline, the back line, anyways. And then he crossed it to Paponi, who was unmarked in the six yard box, and then he scored his second goal. But it was great. 
And the other thing I want to say on the fourth goal, it got deflected. So it wasn't Perkins' fault. It got deflected at the last second and just missed him by a couple inches. It happens. Like I say, bad luck happens. It's not the end of the world. And just a quick note, don't forget there's games Wednesday night because Montreal's playing Toronto. There's other games in the MLS. Don't forget to do your fantasy. Don't be like me last weekend and forget to do it and wake up too late on Saturday morning. And it's already deadline. So, yeah, so do it. If you listen to this, do your fantasy right after this show. It's a complicated one. There's a couple uh, games. People from Gold Cup are missing. If you were... If you're organized, you planned it from the last couple of weeks, which I didn't. But you should have. <laughs> so that's it about the 4-3 loss. It's, it's alright. I'm not even that disappointed. Once in a while, it happens, a loss at home. And we have a chance to actually get ourselves up, get back up after a knockdown, and we're playing our biggest rival, in their home and trying to, to end a streak of no result in Toronto. When's the last time Montreal actually played well in Toronto? I can't remember. Every time I go there on a away support, we always get beat or it's 0 0. We can always never play well over there. Always never. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. We can never play well over there. It's so hard for us to get results. So I just hope that our goal scoring continues over there. We are first and yeah, tied for first in the MLS with the amount of goal scored. So hopefully that continues. But like I said, we're going to get up. Come on. Carry on. On to the next one. But don't be mad at him when it's on to the next one. Somebody bring me back the money, please. The derbies of all derbies is the next one. For the Montreal Impact. Live Wednesday night on RDS2 and TSN. Montreal Impact are facing their arch rivals, the Toronto Football Club, TFC. The revamp TFC that added a couple players lately. Stephen Caldwell, which was on loan, actually is permanently signed with the club. They got this morning, so it's fresh off the press, Michael Thomas from Sporting Kansas City. They're actually building a nice relationship between the two GMs because it's a second trade in a couple of weeks. If we remember, Bobby Convey, uh nicknamed Primadonna, because we heard that he was uh, a little bit of something in the locker room, if you know what I'm saying. He, uh, yes, he's a diva. That's what I heard. Who am I to judge? Who am I to judge? So they got Michael Thomas for a draft pick from a supporting Kansas City. And, as well, they got an international spot and a draft pick for the rights for Carlos Bocanegra for Chivas USA. So, Because Toronto was first in the allocation process and Chivas USA wanted that spot in the allocation money process. So they gave a draft pick and an international spot for TFC. It would be interesting as our as are their arch-rivals, we want to know what they do to get better so we know if they can, uh, we can actually beat them again. Because we, really, we actually have been really struggling historically at the BMO field. It's been years without a win and months without a result, without a goal. 
at the BMO. So hopefully this streak will end. But Toronto's been struggling at the BMO as well. So what, like we will be talking with Ian Clark in a couple minutes, one of those streaks is bound to end or maybe not. So we'll see. And actually, I'm quite impressed with Ryan Nielsen's job. He's actually trying to build a squad that's decent. And I see potential in that squad. Yes, I'm not biased here. I'm, uh, I do see potential in Toronto squad. So it will be interesting to see, as an outsider, what Toronto can do to get better. So we will end the show with the interview with Ian Clark. But first, I want to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Off The Woodworks. On, go like our page on our Facebook, Off The Woodworks with an X still, always with an X. You have any comments, questions, you want to plug something on Off The Woodworks, you're interested in the becoming a, a sponsor of Off The Woodworks, I'm open to all possibilities. So go to Off The Woodworks with an X still at Off The at half the, so it's off the woodworks at hotmail.com. And uh, there's a small bit of a news on today. Uh, we've been in talking and relationship with Red Nation Online with Ian Clark, which is our guest today. But eventually, coming in the next couple of months, we're just going to the technical things to for the website. But I will be a part of Red Nation Online. I will the show will be available on that website and they will help us with promotion. So I want to thank you, Ian Clark. You showed me everything, and I want to thank you very much. So, without further ado, from Eastside Stand Up and Renation Online, Ian Clark. And I'm Kevin Lagame, and have a great talker. It's with great pleasure that I welcome Ian Clark from Red Nation Online on Off The Woodworks. The man I could say is my mentor in the podcast world. Hello, Ian. Kevin, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. My pleasure. First of all, we just one nothing loss at the BMO on Saturday against Real Salt Lake. Am I mistaken or are Toronto starting to be unlucky a little bit? Well, on, on this game, I mean, I guess you could argue they've been unlucky most of the season, uh, especially in that, that last 5, 10 or a minutes, and even down to the last uh, 30 seconds they've been unlucky. But uh, definitely on Saturday it was in a different way. Uh, they probably were a little bit hard done by to not come away with at least a draw. Uh, they had three great chances sort of in that last couple minutes and definitely down in the last seconds. They had two great chances on goal. Brokey. Uh, went 1v1 with Romando on a long ball and on the bounce out-jumped him, but uh, Borges cleared it off the line. And then uh, Stephen Caldwell was all alone on the far post on a corner, and he just overcommitted uh, sort of his momentum and pulling back to try to pull the ball in. Uh, just didn't get enough on it. Romando scooped it up pretty easily. But I think, um, you know, there's an expression. There's a lot of expressions, obviously, with luck. One of them is you have to be good to be lucky. 
And uh, I think when you look at that game, Real Salt Lake is good. And they got lucky. And Toronto FC, not quite there. And as a result, they were unlucky. <laughs> you, you were talking about Caldwell and Brocky, two of the newest players to actually uh, step up for Toronto. There's a, a small changing of the guard that happened this year with all the changes with uh, Bostock coming and going. And do you think we're there's a couple more changes coming up for Toronto? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, that's pretty much what this this whole year's been. Well, I shouldn't say this year. It seems like it's every year this happens, uh, especially since I guess 2010. Once we get a, a new coach in, they sort of uh, overhaul and start uh, sending guys out that aren't their guys, so to speak. And as the year goes on, they're just constantly retooling. I think we've seen this pretty much since 2010. But this year, you know, the start of the year came, and Ryan Nelson and Kevin Payne, I think. Uh, a little bit haphazardly, but you know you can understand where it was coming from. They really just tried to throw as much guys and call on as many favors as they could to get this roster rounded out. A few trials here and there, or sorry, I should say a few loans here and there. Mm-hmm. Some of them didn't work out, and some of them you can see are starting to work out. Uh, Stephen Caldwell, they just extended his loan. It sounds like, I, I couldn't get the exact details, maybe they're not out yet, but at least it looks like he's going to be here for the rest of the year. I, I saw permanent today, this morning. I saw permanent right, okay. Today. So, I mean, I think uh, Saturday would have been his last game because that okay. would be the end of his loan. So it looks like for sure they have him until the end of the year and hopefully probably into, into 2014. But we know that with the other moves that happened today, you know, we got a, from Chivas USA, we have an international spot that's now opened up. We know that they're trying to get some guys from Central and South America that didn't quite pan out earlier, and I think mm-hmm. they're trying to have another kick at it. Uh, and there's a few moves as, within MLS as well. Yeah, we saw this morning uh, Michael Thomas from Kansas City got traded uh, to Toronto. That's the second trade this year from Kansas City to Toronto. Yeah, well, I mean, Kansas, I guess Kansas City has a, is in a bit of a luxury position in terms of how good their starting lineup is, and they are able to shed a little bit of their depth and a little bit of salaries. Um, I mean, what it looks like from Thomas is, I guess, bare minimum, he's going to provide some depth and uh, some competition in the midfield, which is always needed. Uh, especially across the board at Toronto FC. We've never really had a good depth. And a lot of guys, you know, we saw earlier in the season, probably for the last month, until Brokey arrived and Kuberman's came back, it really was Earnshaw and Silva up top. And I just don't think that's a good recipe to keep guys pushing themselves hard yeah. to make an impact. So, uh, you know, I welcome that as long as the salary is reasonable. And maybe it's something where we know that Bobby Convy is coming as well, and he's got a bit of a hefty price tag. Yeah. So maybe that's a bit of a contingency to see how the year plays out. And if we can't keep him, then at least we still have a few players. Yeah. And am I crazy or Toronto is actually starting to play better? Yeah, they're definitely, I think in the last, even the, the, the Rail Salt Lake game for sure. Uh, you know, when you just look at the fact how good Rail Salt Lake is right now, the stability the franchise has and the quality of their roster you know, and sitting, just looking at the table of where they sit and where Toronto sits in their in their run of form, mm-hmm. by all by all counts, Real Salt Lake should have come in and easily handled us, and I don't think they did. It was really just a, I think a little bit of a, I wouldn't call it a breakdown, but I think Toronto thought the first half was just about wound out and uh, sort of let their guard down a bit, yep. and Real Salt Lake pounced all over it. Uh, I think the last month we've seen, you know, we talk about stability, and with Toronto FC, it's always about the coaches. Mm-hmm. but we've seen for the last few years there's, there's been a lot of instability in the roster and the starting lineup. And until about a month ago, uh, 
Toronto starting lineup has really been all over the place, maybe except for like Joe Bendick in goal, yeah. Darren O'D and Robert Earnshaw. Everyone's sort of been moved around. New guys have come in. It's never really been set. And for the last three or four games, it's been pretty set of what our you know back line is, uh, what our midfield is. And it's just a matter, I think, of getting that the attack clicking. And then we might actually be a competitive team in MLS. <laughs> Uh, I just remembered, did Stephen Fry get wavered or is he still in contract? I think it's, uh, I haven't checked his status today, but by all accounts, it sounds like he's he's on the way out. Yeah, because that would uh, free up a lot of money to actually maybe get another player for yeah. that international spot, actually, probably. For sure. I mean, he's, if I'm not mistaken, on roughly $150,000. And, I mean, that's that's been another story with Toronto FC is that, you know, a new keeper has come in and, there's sort of that MLS level goalkeeping. I mm-hmm. think you can find, it's pretty easy to find in North America a good shot stopper. Uh, that's like a you know an NCAA background goalie, yeah. and uh, he does pretty well. And it's just a matter of getting the other parts of his game rounded out. And uh, Fry kind of has twice now lost his spot due to injury. Mm-hmm. And you know Milos Kosic comes in last year and performs you know roughly on the same level. And and Joe Bendik has this year as well. And I think Bendik as well. With Thomas Rongen in there, mm-hmm. uh, has a bit of uh, a little bit of favor with the current crop of coaches because uh, Thomas Rongen was his coach on the U twenty US side, so there's a bit of familiarity there within the staff. And again, with Fry's salary, they're probably looking to make some moves and free up some cash uh, through the summer transfer window. Yeah, two streaks are going on right now for one for both teams. The impact have not been good in Toronto, and Toronto. I've not been in Toronto either. Which of, the, <laughs> which of those two streaks will end on Wednesday night? So, Kevin, neither is going to end. It's going to be a tie. <laughs> Shouldn't it be obvious? It's going to be a 1-1 tie. <laughs> I thought we were going to say 0-0. <laughs> yeah, I only went 0-0. No, I think uh, it's tough to say. Hmm. I think the other, the other sort of uh, underlying story, although it's not as the impact isn't quite as great as it was probably thought to be a week ago, of mm-hmm. course, with Toronto losing four players to uh, Canada, yeah, and uh, the whole hoopla about Bernier not being called up and still playing for Montreal, Montreal definitely has is going to probably have a more stable starting eleven. Toronto's going to have to figure out who's going to step up and step in for Osorio, who's been really good for the last month. Who's are the four is going? I, I guess Osorio, um, Henry, and Daniel Henry. He would have been off on a red card for this game, yeah. anyways. Yeah. Um. Kyle Becker, Becker. and uh, there's one other player that's... that's Uh, Morgan? Ashton Morgan? Ashton Morgan. So, I mean, in truth, in truth, for the Montreal game, it's really Osorio. Because Morgan's not getting a sniff. Becker's Becker's not got a sniff since, like, the second game of the year. Um, That's just the thing. But to be fair, Osorio has been pretty critical in that that midfield for the Mm -hmm. last month. So that is a bit of a loss, and we'll figure... We'll see what they come up with to sort of alleviate that. You mentioned Kyle Becker. I got to say, I watched him play last week at the Reserve League game where Montreal got defeated 5-0. And I got to say, Becker impressed me. His free kick wasn't that great, but during the whole game, he was creating space and opportunity for government. And uh, what's his name? Anyways, it doesn't matter. For all the strikers, Justin Braun and everybody. And he impressed me. Yeah, I think... uh... I, I'm not, you know, it's it's a bit of a enigma what's going on with Becker at Toronto FC. I mean, he's, he's still pretty young, so I could see them 
you know, letting him get his feet under him until he sort of really grabs that starting role instead of just throwing him into the cauldron and hoping it works out. Uh, you know, this year I think there's been a little bit of uh, damage control, especially through that rough uh, April and May. Mm-hmm. So throwing Becker in there might not have been the wisest choice. Uh, he definitely does, you know, especially when it comes to Canada and, and the reviews he was getting through a lot of people leading up to his draft pick were really high and people were high on him. But that's funny that you noted that the, the free kick and set pieces because that's supposed to be his specialty. Yeah. That's supposed to be his strongest thing. And when he's played for Canada and when he's played for Toronto FC, both, it's been really inconsistent. And if that sort of might be the thing that's holding him back is that until he can get that dialed in where he's like a lethal set piece taker, um, there might just be better options. Yeah. He, well, he wasn't as bad as Sergio Ramos was for <laughs> in, his, in his set piece. We saw like, in the in the Voyagers Cup. I mean, at Toronto, he played a great game. Yeah, he was really good. But I mean, you also have to measure out the competition. You know, a reserve game and a Voyagers Cup first game. I guess you could sort of say that wasn't Montreal's best roster. No, but Toronto had a strong roster. Coverman's Justin Brown was playing. Yep. You had uh, Becker. Basically, everybody I know played for Toronto in that game, which I was really surprised. Mm. Yeah, and you mentioned the Warriors Cup. Do you think uh, Toronto's going to try harder to avenge that defeat on Wednesday night, or they already went, they already carried on? No, I don't. I don't think. I think we'll. I think that revenge will say, be saved for next year's Warriors Cup. Okay. I think Toronto is just will probably focus on just earning a result on Wednesday night, whether it be one nothing. I think they're just going to try not to lose for for, for sure. Uh, to drop more points. I think they should see an opportunity to try to get something uh, at home against Montreal, and that's that's the bare minimum I think they'll be going for. Uh, do you have any predictions for the game on Wednesday night? Well, we mentioned it briefly there. Uh, I, it, at this stage, it would be extremely bold to predict the Toronto FC win at BMO Field right now, uh, especially considering how well Montreal's played. I mean, even though they lost at home, they were still scoring goals. And that's the thing. That's the difference, obviously, between Montreal and Toronto right now. As Montreal, even in a loss, scores three goals. Uh, Toronto is having a lot of trouble just getting one. Uh, and when they've scored more than one goal, uh, you know, the most recent one was the DC game. It was an own goal and yeah. off a set piece. They really haven't been able to create anything from open play, uh, create many shots from open play, or create any real dangerous chances. So. Until they get that sorted, I mean, I just can't, I can't sort of predict it in a hoping way. I have to actually, you know, look at the body of work that's been going on of late. It's going to be really tough for them to score more than one goal. Uh, it's just, and now it falls on Montreal, how good they're feeling, and if they can manage to pull one or two away. Yeah, well, the last prediction I'll have to with is Craig Diaragon predicted a 4-3 Colorado win in Montreal, and it happened. Whoa. So we never know. It was a bold prediction from his part, and it actually happened. So we never know. Toronto might get the W. Yeah, another thing I threw out there, too, is I don't, I don't think it's been quite the same this week. Obviously, in Montreal, it was a terrible one. But last year, home games, midweek. And I guess you could say even this year when they played Montreal midweek at home, they were really good for some weird reason. Uh, there's something about a night game on a Wednesday or a Thursday that Toronto has, I think, a better record than they do on weekends and whatnot. So that might be a small thing to factor in there, but uh, I, w- I wouldn't wait too much. 
Well, Ian Clark from Eastside Stand-Up and Red Nation Online, thank you very much for being on Works. Kevin, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.